0: So, January the 1st, 2023, it's going to take me a while to get that in my mind, I need to probably go through my, I don't write that many checks anymore, but uh, I used to go through and put the new year on for about 10 checks, so I got it in my head, just just the year, uh, So, uh, but I'm not, I probably won't do that this time, but it may take me a while to get used to the new year, I don't know about you. So, January the 1st, 2023, and we are going to start a new book. And so we're going to start the book Esther. So if you have your Bible with you, which you should, and I've always used to wonder about that. The pastor would say, okay, if you have your Bible, turn over to this. And I'd think, why does he say that? Because, you know, yeah, this is a Baptist church. We believe our Bibles. We have it. I mean, what do you think this is? And yet I do the same thing. So uh, Esther, uh, got to go back in the Old Testament this time. And so I thought I would pick on a book that, you know, we were in the book of... What was the last book we did? Jude. Jude, okay. You guys still remember. Uh, in the book of Jude, it was kind of really geared up to right before the tribulation when, when we look at it. and And I tell you, when we started going through that book and it starts talking about ungodly men... It's like ungodly men have been coming out of the woodwork in everything I've looked at the last few months. And it's like, I I mean, I'm reading through the book of Psalms in my personal time, and he talks about ungodly men all the time. And I'm sitting here, and I don't know about you, I'm going through the book of Psalms, and I'm like, David is complaining about ungodly men. Over and over and over and I'm sitting there thinking, my goodness dude, how often are you on the run and people after you and ungodly men about to kill you? And I'm like, and then he's complaining to God all the time and I'm sitting there trying to work through it this week, one of the chapters I was on. And I'm like, he can't have had this much problems. And I'm looking at it and it's like the Holy Spirit just said, but everything he writes is just not about him. It's also prophetic. And then when I when I grabbed that, and I know that, but I'm just like the Holy Spirit said, this chapter is more prophetic than what was historical. And I started looking at, it, I'm like, and then things just started coming out of the woodwork.
1: You know it, but now you know it. I mean, it right. like reminds you or something, you know, just like.
0: But when yeah, when you go through the Book of Psalms, he's always complaining about ungodly men, ungodly men. So there is a theme from Genesis to Revelation. Ungodly men who have been following Satan from the very beginning. And so, uh, it doesn't make any difference where you go. You're going to find that. You, you go back to, uh, yeah, you're, you're right. I'd say you're pretty well right on track all the way up until Revelation where you see the woman riding on the beast. But even then, it's mostly men in, uh, that it's representing. But no matter where you go, you see ungodly men. You start, we studied church history. Ungodly men. You study church, our history, the history of the United States, and you gotta see there's ungodly men in there. Satan is behind the scenes all the time, and he has his, not only does he have his ungodly men, he has all his ungodly devils with him also. So there is a spectacular war going on. Always has been in uh, the history of man. So Esther is right behind the book, of Ezra and Nehemiah. So let, let's go ahead and read the chapter and then I'm going to break it down. So today I'm just kind of go, looking at uh, chapter 1 and uh, we'll probably turn around next week and go back and break it down a little bit more. But the book of Esther, uh chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the days of Hathareus. This is the Hasarius which reigned from India even to Ethiopia, over 107 and 20 providences. So, 127. And basically, I'll just tell you, that's probably the known world at that point. That was from one end to the other. Okay, That in those days, when the king Hasarius sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan the palace, in the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto... All his princes and his servants, the power of Persia and Media, the nobles and princes of the provinces being before him. And when he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom in the honor of his excellent majesty, many days, even a hundred and four score days. Now how many days is that? How many is a score? 20, so 104 score would be, you're right, uh, Roger, 180 days. And again, I'm getting ahead of myself. God wastes no space in His book. What is 180 days roughly? Six months. Half a year. Just put that in the back of your head, okay? Uh, verse five, and when these days were expired, the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan the palace, both unto great and small, seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. And again, keep all these day, these numbers in your head. Verse six, where were white, green, and blue hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rings and pillars of marble and beds were of gold and silver upon a pavement of red and blue and white and black and marble. Now, I've been studying all kinds of things on these. Nobody ever brings up all these colors and all the things that's going on. But again... And I don't know if I can figure it out, but here's my point. God wastes no space in His book. They are there for a reason. Okay, So we may go back and look at that at some point. Verse 7. And they gave them drink and vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another, and royal wine in abundance, according to the state of the king. And the drinking was according to the law. None did compel For so the king had appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's every man's pleasure. Also Vashti, the queen, made a feast for the women in the royal house, which belonged to King Hassarias. And on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehum Mahuman, Biztha, Harbana, Bigtha, and Abagtha. Zethar and Carcass, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus, the king. And I'm sure I butchered every one of them. Okay? And then let's go to 11. It's to bring Vashti the queen before the king with the crown royal to show the people and the princess her beauty for she was fair to look upon. But, the Queen Vashti refused to come at the King's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the King very wroth, and his anger buried, or burned in him. Then the King said to the wise men, which knew the times, for so is the King's manner toward all that knew law and judgment, and then, and the next unto him was, and here's another list of people, Karshina, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Meres, Marcina and Memucan, the seven princes of Persia and Media, which saw the king's face and which sat the king in, in the kingdom. What shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to law, because she hath not performed the commandment of the king Ahasuerus by the chamberlains? And Memucan answered before the king and the princes, Vashti the queen hath not done wrong to the king only." But also to the princes and to all the people that are in all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women so that they shall despise, no, let me back that up. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad. I wonder if that's where we get the term broads right there. Is that a biblical term? <laughs> all the men said nothing okay i'm just kidding with you for this de <laughs> kind of for this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported the king of commanded vastly the queen to be brought in before him but she came not so this was a big deal verse 18 likewise shall the ladies of persian media Say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard of the deed of the queen, and thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before king Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she." And when the king's decree which he shall make shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small. And the same pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Memucan. For he sent letters into the king's provinces... And to every province, according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, that every man should bear rule in his own house, and that it should be published according to the language of every people. So I know that's a long chapter, so we'll go back and we're going to look at that a little bit. But let me just go through a little bit of introduction first. On your handout, I have most of this. I'm just going to basically read it. Esther, the book of Esther, records what takes place with the Jews in Babylon and Persia, while a group of them had already went back to Israel in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. So while the Jews were supposed to go back to the land, only a small percentage of them did because they already had homes and jobs and and whatever in Babylon, Persia, scattered throughout the region that they kind of decided to stay there. And so only a small group went back. But Esther takes place around 485 to 465 B.C. Now take that tongue-in-cheek because that just depends on who you talk to about it. Again, dates in, in, in the Old Testament are really hard to discern. About the only main one that we can pretty well bank on is, is the temple that Solomon built when, when it was established. Does anybody know what time that was established? 1,000 B.C. So that temple pretty well sets everything in the Old Testament to run off of if you can determine when the, the particular book or place you're talking about is in accordance to Solomon's temple. It kind of gives you an idea. But uh, So Esther takes place around, we think, 485-465 B.C. and also between Ezra, Ezra chapter 6 and 7. And before Nehemiah 2.6, so we'll, we'll get into that later on in our study, uh, so there'll be more to come on that. But Esther is included in the Old Testament books called the writings or the Kethubim. Now that's just the name that the Hebrews uh, put for the the writings outside of the law. And so Jesus didn't break it down into the Cethybun. He just calls them the Psalms in Luke 24, 44. So turn over in your Bible to Luke 24, and we'll just see what Jesus calls these. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, that book was a fictationist book or whatever, and then you go back, well, wait a minute, Jesus quotes from it. What do you want to do with that? And so, uh, Luke twenty four forty four, the last chapter in, in Luke, Jesus says, And He said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses. So, He's kind of breaking down the Old Testament. So, He, he says, written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So the right there were writings outside of those and and Jesus here calls them the Psalms. So Psalms would definitely be in those. So we 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 know that the book of Ruth is in the Old Testament uh because of of what we see through the rest of the Bible. And then on our handout it says only two books in the Bible are named after women. Now this is this we've already studied the first book. We studied that uh, my goodness, how long ago has that been? Did we study that last year? Have I only been teaching in here for a year? Seems like a long time. The book of, we, we went through the book of Ruth in here, probably before you guys were here. Uh, and that was an awesome book. I really like that. In the book of Ruth, a Gentile woman, which is a picture of the, I think you have a, hand, a blank in your handout. Ruth is a picture of what? Church. The church. So church goes in your blank. She marries Boaz, who's a Jew, who's a picture of Christ, and she ends up in the genealogy of Christ. In the book of Esther, it's reversed. Esther, a Jew, picture of the nation of Israel, marries Ahasuerus, the king, picture of God the Father, and ends up saving the Jewish nation. So my blanks are not that hard to figure out. They're pretty easy, actually. And so, just like we saw uh, a picture taking place in the book of Ruth, we're going to see a picture taking place in the book of Esther. Okay? In fact, several pictures, but we'll just have to look through those. One strange thing in the book of Esther is that the name of God is not mentioned at all. Okay? Which makes it the only book in our Bible that does so. Okay, so I put a little tid a little bit of information here. Um, Interestingly, in the Catholic Bible, not all of them, but in some of them, that's kind of wild, isn't it? Um, the, The the ones from the Latin Vulgate, they add more verses and even chapters in the Book of Esther, and in those chapters, the Word of God is mentioned. So what we have here is we have just like Origin and those guys that was reading the Bible and they, they, they decided that they didn't believe certain things, so they'd add to them or take away. Uh, apparently, these guys decided they needed to help Esther out, the book out, and make sure that the word God got put in there, so they added to it. So I did. I was doing a little research this this week, and I'm looking at Esther, and I just put in why do some. Why do why does Esther in the Catholic Bible have more chapters or verses? Uh, and so I got, do that on your, go home and just Google that. And you'll be, you'll be surprised what you get. But in this one, it says Esther's the missing the explanation of that. In the Catholic Bible, the Old Testament contains extra books called the Apocrypha. Some have called them the lost books. So a lady from this Bible study that he goes to, along with some Catholic ladies, sent a question in and asked why our scriptures do not include the additions to Esther that the Catholic scriptures have. So here's my not so short answer for all of you. And then he has another big one. He goes, actually, this is a whole can of worms, so bear with me. He goes, I'll give you a short answer and then a long answer. The shorter answer is this. The additions to Esther is most likely the works of an Egyptian Jew writing around 170 BC who sought to give the book a more religious tone and to suggest that the Jews were saved from destruction because of their piety. The additions completely changed the tone of the book, however, from what was originally intended from the Hebrew manuscripts and the additions were never in the Hebrew scriptures and it's like this is wild. And so I looked at I've got a uh uh and then I looked at another one. I'm like, you know, Catholic site. How come how come the Catholic Bible has more verses in Esther than the Protestant was? And they'll give you all oh, it came out of the apocrypha, it came this, it did that. And and they go through all this r- rim of is what I would say. And none of it makes sense, but it basically was there was a group of people who didn't like the fact that God wasn't mentioned in Esther, so they made up some things to put God in there. Okay? And they would admit that. Okay. Um, it's kind of very interesting. Okay. But even in back to our study on Esther, Esther, even though doesn't mention God, you see him beh- behind the scenes all the time. Okay. And so um uh Thank you. Not, so it says the book of Esther is not only a historic book of great importance, it is a prophetic book of great importance, and it reveals truth that will give us details of the happenings of the Jews right before the second coming of Christ. I can't beat this thing out. Everything I've been studying in the last 5, 10, 50 always goes back to the theme of the Bible, which is what? The kingdom. And God and and Christ coming, Christ coming to set that kingdom up is like the major theme of the Bible, and it doesn't make any difference which book you get in. You can go to Jude and it's there. You can go back to, uh, you can go back to Genesis, it's there. But we're going to look at Esther, and it's starting to pop up, and it makes sense because think about this: the book it it, it fits right along with Ezra and Nehemiah. And Ezra and Nehemiah, the Jews, are scattered and they go back to the land to restart things. And then the book of Esther pops up. Now, in history, we know that the nation of Israel, the Jews had to go back to get the nation of Israel founded again before the second coming takes place. And so what we see in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther is basically what we're seeing live out right now. Because... God's getting the Jews ready for the tribulation and the tribulation is just almost here. And so we're going to see that over and over in this book. Um, And so Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah link together because they're the same time period. So now we're down to chapter 1 and the heading for uh, chapter 1 is the queen's dethronement is published. So not only does she get kicked out, it's, it's published throughout the whole nation. Okay. Now I had to change my my uh, heading. Should I tell them what I normally had on here? She won't like this. My my wife was looking at. It. She goes, I don't like your first your first point for chapter one. Well, if it was your wording. <laughs> my wording. What was the queen is? What did I put on it? Put down. Oh yeah, the queen is put down. She goes, I don't like that, Bob. You need to change that. Said so that sounds like a dog or something. Like, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> no, no, uh, there was a certain reason why I was putting certain things on there. But but if you notice now, the queen's dethronement is published. Okay, I'm, I'm looking for a p word here. Okay, so her her dethronement is published. So chapter one. We got a few minutes left. Uh, Let's go back to verse 1. And we're going to really see about this the king. His name is Azarias, and I'm probably even pronouncing that wrong, but it just depends on who you talk to of how you pronounce that. Okay? And we see that in verses 1 through 8. But what we see here is Azarias is a title that's not his real name. You really want to study something out. Go back and study the the Persian and Mede kings out and you can get 500 answers. To who they are. I mean, it's just, I think Satan has, or God has deliberately muddled that all up so we can't figure it out exactly. But this Hasarius we know is a title. And so um, it's just a title like Pharaoh or Tsar or something like that. Uh, This Hasarius is believed to be Xerxes. Now that's the last best guess that we got. Uh, some of them believe that he's some other guys I mean you got Darius that's in there you got Cyrus you got all these Persian kings but I mean it is a mess to try to figure these guys out the Xerxes guy was the one that started a big campaign against the Greeks and so uh, uh, everything goes off of other things too so I mean uh, one of one of the has uh, the kings of of uh, persia there were several of them that fought the greeks it wasn't just one it was several they had several different campaigns and if you another thing you want to study out is go back and study alexander the, the great out that guy was something else but he fought against the persian kings and he just whipped them every time he got a chance you know it reminds me of a couple of kids in high in, in junior high whenever they got in a fight one of them whipped up on the other one every time. He probably started the fights. I'm not talking about me. I didn't start fights. But I mean, I remember this one guy and he, and I, and he was banned from going down the 8th grade hall. And he's a 7th grader. And I asked him... And nobody liked this kid. I, I, was, I tried to just be friends with people. And so he was a real tall kid. No, he had no friends. I sat with him at lunch and I at least tried to get to know him. And I go... And he would get in fights all the time and he would, he would pick on this one guy in eighth grade and he would just beat him to a pulp all the time. And it wasn't because the other guy was little. I think it had something to do with the guy liked his sister or something so he'd beat him up. I don't know why. So I asked him one time, I said, I can't remember his name now. I said, why do you, you, you are banned from going down the eighth grade hall. Why do you keep going down that hall? He goes, I just hate that guy. So he was always in a fight with them. But, uh, I don't know why I brought that up. I had a point and now I forgot it. But, uh, this Ahasuerus is believed to be Xerxes that, oh I know, it was Alexander the Great. Every time he fought the Persians, he just, he just annihilated them. And not only that, he went and destroyed their kingdom after he went through his big campaign. So I mean, he ended up, that's, he was the one that God force uh, that Daniel foreseen was going to he was the Greek guy that was going to take over Persia that was Alexander the Great so whether this guy's in the line or not I don't know I don't think he's the exact one but he's believed to be Xerxes now uh, for what that's worth number I got two number ones here don't I okay well let's go to the second number one the time because in verse two it says, that in those days... Oh, now we got to stop because what does that tell us, class? What are those days of reference to? Tribulation. The tribulation. Now, you saw at the last week, I believe it was last week, that Pastor Brian was talking about uh, Jesus being born and Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem. And it starts off, In those days. And he made a point of that. So we need to, we need to keep notice of these phrases in the Bible. In those days. So every time we see that, automatically we know we're talking about a book that's getting right towards the tribulation or it is talking about the tribulation. Okay? So we see that those days, reference to the tribulation, and then it says, verse 3, in the third year, What do we know about the tribulation, guys? What happens in the third year in the tribulation? The Antichrist. The Antichrist, but not specifically just three. Let's keep moving. And then it says starting in, uh, uh, let me see here. Verse four. When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even a hundred and fourscore days, And Roger was right, he said that's half a year. In fact, on a Jewish calendar, it's exactly half a year. So now we have three years, now we have a half year, and we know that we're dealing with the tribulation. Does that give us a time frame? Yeah. So now it's like, oh, we're seeing some prophecy popping out here out of the book of Esther. Nobody sees this. Well, I, I shouldn't say they did it. Most people don't see uh, most most Christians and most people teaching. They do not grab that. They,
1: they do don't re- they go through half the tribulation, so they don't. They can't understand it because they don't rightly divide. I mean, we had arguments in another mm. church.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, not only that, they don't even see the time frame in Esther. It's just numbers. Right. It's this, this happened years ago, and God's trying to point us to a picture, and so He's trying to show us something. So the time frame here of, of Esther is in those days, tribulation, in the third year, and then actually halfway through the third year. How specific can we get? Okay. So that's number, the second number one. So let's go to, to two on the second page. And and it talks about Vashti in verses 9 through 18. Now Vashti is the queen and she disobeys the king. Now what do you guys think of that? I
1: hate it when Paul won't do what
0: I tell her. You don't tell her you're going to dispose her and get another one and she probably says, go ahead. Okay,
1: uh, so,
0: okay, so Vashti really rebels against the king. And you gotta remember, you don't say no to kings even if you're the queen. And yet, this lady had the audacity to say no. Okay? So she disobeys the king, and for us, it's like, okay, no big deal, you know. No, this was a very big deal. Now you've got everybody running around going, "Well, why did she? she?" Probably had a good reason for not coming. Let me tell you this again: when you have a king that's a dictator on the throne, when he says something, you do it. You do it, okay? And so there's all this baloney that says, "Well, they were all drunk, and he just wanted to bring his trophy wife out and show her, show her off." I don't know if that's true or not true. But the bottom line was, she disobeyed the king. Okay, so she sets a bad example for the other wives in the kingdom. Now, there was a reason why I was uh, we're doing this book this year because I, I think you ladies have been slacking off a little bit. <laughs> a whole why not? Don't why not? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, run back in your Bible to Genesis 3.16 because I'm just not going to shoot my big mouth off without having a verse. So, Genesis 3.16 says what? It says, Unto the woman He said, this is God, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. Okay. So who has the rule over the house? The man does. The husband does. Okay. So right off the bat, not only did Vashti uh, disobey the king, she disobeyed God's, God's word. So you have to keep that in mind also. Okay. So everything you do, you know, you go, well, there's a reason why I did this. And and one thing that I have in the back of my head, and I probably used it myself, against myself, is like, well, how is that going to play out when I stand before Christ and give Him that excuse? Because, you know, everybody's excuses. I can come up with some really good excuses why I should or shouldn't do something. But how is that going to play out when I'm standing before God? Or before Christ, specifically? Probably not so good. So we need to make our decisions biblical. Of course we have a Gentile queen here. She's not paying attention to the Bible. But obeying your husband was a big deal in, in the Babylonian Persian kingdom as well as a lot of the kingdoms. But go over in the New Testament to Ephesians chapter 5. Because I know some of you are saying, okay Bob, that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Well let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. And let's go back to verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of, of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Okay, so, there you go, right there. But the problem with the men is they don't want to keep reading, so I'm going to keep reading. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So it balances out. It doesn't just, it's just not one-sided towards the men. No, we are to love the church, love our wives as Christ loved the church, and He died for the church. So we need to not only we're not to lord over our wives, but but we are to uh, be the final authority between them and God. And we need to the buck stops with the man. Let me put it this way. So when it came to the king and Vashti, she. She deliberately did what was wrong. Okay? Um, I don't care how the, how you try to justify that. Um, either way, let's, let's just say that, you know, half these commentators that I've read that go, well, well, the reason she didn't come, like I said, it was a bunch of drunken guys, and she wasn't going to put herself down to do all that. Again, she disobeyed the king. Okay,
1: Okay, not really... It's because God wanted her to so that Esther could be, become the
0: queen. I mean, God so you're saying that God's behind the scenes, and he just, he just, he just kinda of got vastly she in a bad mood that day. Okay, but you're right, God uses it, cause of his, God knows what's gonna happen, but he knew this was gonna happen, and who knows, maybe this lady's just like, it's, you know, maybe she is a trophy, little trophy wife, and she's like, I'm not going, I'm, you know. I gotta get my hair done that day. I'm not coming to see the king. I don't know. The bottom line was, she disobeyed the king. Okay. And God uses that to set up Esther. Okay. And so, uh, that's 9 through 18. And then we see the king's commandment in verse 19 through 22. And that the queen Vashti come no more before the king, and her estate be given to another that is better than she. "...and that a royal decree be sent to all the nations, informing them of the king's commandment, and that the wives should give honor to their husbands." So the men saw this as a slam on all of them because of what was taking place. So that kinda, kinda brings it back to what was the bottom line that went on between Vashti and the king? How's that affect the rest of the kingdom? And these guys are like, you know, we don't want to get our authority out of whack. We need, we need to put a stop to this. So what we will also be studying in the book of Esther is how many of these decrees go out among the nations from the king. This is the first one that's going to go out. There's going to be some more decrees to go out. So again, we have to pay attention to the words. So I kind of left this week, you know, pretty, pretty uh, uh, simple. Uh, so that's basically Esther's chapter one. It's real simple. It's the queen is dethroned, and that dethronement is published throughout the land. Okay. And so, in, any questions? Not that I can answer them, but anything else in here?
1: The only thing is, what, when I'm reading it, I think of all the days that the king had this feast and then had another feast. I mean, think of all the, the goods that he had, all of his riches that were... I mean, to be able to serve people for 180 days and give him all that I mean he wasn't give him just you know a little piece of bread but he, when he, I mean it's just all
0: the yeah. riches well, that yeah have. but when we study this out the first I don't know if he had the feast the first half of the year it's like he had an open house of his kingdom right. the and first he, six months and, and then and then he had the main feast that lasted and seven disgusting. and it lasts seven days
1: but it says in in verse 3 in the third year of his reign he made a feast and unto all his princes so then and he showed them his riches and all those and then on verse 5 and when those these days were expired the king made a feast unto all the people that were present that meaning all the people in the town right so, i mean think about that all of that how many riches? So it, it
0: basically shows that this guy is the grandest king on the earth at that point. And so I mentioned that he's, he's, he's a type of God the Father. I'm looking through my types and trying to figure that out and I'm like, no, wait a minute now. But he's not Jewish. So how does that fit? And then I'm thinking, okay, so is Jesus Christ Jewish? Yes, is God the Father Jewish? Yeah. E- no, no. He, is God. he is God. The first Jew is
1: Abraham.
0: Right. So, so he could picture God the Father because God the Father is not Jewish. And again, I know all pictures break down, but I mean, when you start seeing this now, and you see they have a feast for how long? After, this, after the 180 days, they have a specific feast for seven. For sep- now, what takes place at seven in the time period? Well, tribulation. The tribulation. Okay, so there might be not only that. What else is going to be going on during those tribulation period? Well, okay, so there's some connection with that somehow in this. And I think if we look at, we may look at that next week, the, the, all those colors and the thing, the silver and the gold and the things that are in that, we may go back and look at that and see if that ties anything with, with the, the the marriage feast that we're going to be at. There's a ton of information in this book. So just when you think you have it figured out, you don't. I'm not even close to having it figured out. And I'll admit that there are some things in the book of Esther that's going to give us more details of what's going to take place even right before the tribulation and even during the tribulation. And so again, it's kind of like the Gospels. And, when, and the Gospels all give an account of Christ's first first coming, of His life, of His death, burial, and resurrection. They all give There's four accounts of those, right? And there's a lot of people that say, well, the Bible's not right because those four accounts don't all match up perfectly. There are details left out of some that are added to others. You've got to read all four of them to get the complete picture. Same thing with the Old Testament books, the prophets and everybody else. You've got to get a little here and a little there and it'll just give you glimpses of the picture and you start putting them all together. It's like a... uh, What's that called where you put all the pictures together? A cassage? Collage. 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 Okay. Okay. Kalash, I know it's. it's part, this is how God works. This is how God does things. He takes the guy that can't speak and puts him up in front of everybody to teach the rest of them. That's how God does stuff. But no, I'm like, it's like. <laughs> What's that?
1: I said he gives him a good wife though that
0: can. That that's him. right. That that can translate. Yes, you know. That's but, I mean, it's, uh, God is painting a picture throughout the whole Bible of what's going to take place. And we just got to dig out the facts and, and get them from every place that we can. Work through them. And He gives us things in history too. You just got to run it through the book. And you'll see glimpses of this. You'll see the tribulation in Esther. You'll see it in Nehemiah. You'll see it in the book of Jude. You see it all over the place. You see it in the minor prophets big time. That's why nobody wants to read the minor prophets. They don't understand. The minor prophets tell you what's going to happen in the last times. Specifically. And that's why I think Satan has kind of got the church where they don't study the minor prophets. Nobody studies the minor prophets. We will. I mean, we'll do here a little bit, but the whole Bible's there for a reason. And again, I'll I'll throw this out. God wastes no space in His book. If it's there, there's a reason for it. So you just have to dig it out. So let's let's stop there, and we'll uh, we'll come back next week and uh, dig into lesson uh, lesson two, uh, chapter two a little bit more, or chapter one a little bit more, and then we'll probably get into the next one. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your your Bible that's, that's put together in a way, Lord, that uh, we have to study it out, that we have to dig through it, Lord, to see the details that you want us to see. So I pray that you would uh, give us guidance, that you would direct us to see those pictures, to see the truth, to see how everything fits together, Lord, to show us about uh, Christ's kingdom and the second coming and, and what's going to take place uh, now in our lives, what's going to be taking place in the future, and what will take place today. In the tribulation and on into the millennium, so Lord, help us to to see things as you see them, and help us to uh, just not only to see them, but then live them out in our life, Lord, and, and have have a reason for the hope that that lives within us, Lord. That we there's a reason for all the things that we go through. There's a reason why uh, you are are showing us how to live our life the way we are, and that, that we need to get people. To, to get saved so they can be a part of what's going on. So, Lord, I just pray for our class. I pray that you give each one of us uh, wisdom in studying your word and applying it in our life today and showing us what's going to happen in the future. So we pray for that and we just pray for a good day today. Pray for Brian as he preaches and just pray that you give us the ears to hear uh, what we need to hear and then that we would act on them in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.